podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi folks, it's David here just to tell you about the latest prize from our sponsors, footballprizes.co.uk. What football prizes do are limited raffles in which you can buy a ticket and of course if your ticket comes up you win and the Rangers mega bundle well it's very much worth winning it's a Borna Barisic signed and framed shirt and Yanis Hadji signed montage a Ryan Kent signed montage a Steven Gerrard signed Ibrox street sign official 22-21-22 even uh, Rangers home and away shirts and £200 in the Rangers club shop gift card 9 is the ticket price and there are only 135 so you've got 135 to one chance of winning in fact if they don't sell all 135 you've got a better chance of winning i'll just repeat that though borna barisic signed shirt Yanis hadji signed montage ryan kent signed montage stephen gerrard signed ibrox street sign official 21 22 rangers home and away shirts and 200 pounds to spend in the rangers club shop it's well worth a tenner to have a go at this. Go to footballprizes.co.uk. That's footballprizes.co.uk and search for Rangers. Hello and welcome to Heart and Hand Extra, your second Heart and Hand show of the week. I am your host, Adam Thornton, and tonight's episode will be slightly shorter as we look ahead to Saturday's top of the table clash against Hearts at Ibrox. Joining me for tonight's show, we have Ross Hutton. Ross, how are you doing? I'm very well, mate. Good to be back talking about Rangers again, even though I do enjoy my internationals, but yeah, good to have Rangers back. Yeah, that's the reason it'll be a bit of a shorter show, not because no one wants to hear about the internationals. Ross is going to keep us up to date um, on those in the next segment, actually, but we don't have a huge amount of Rangers news to to review as we record. Um, not much has, has really been happening. The guys have been coming back from international football uh, and the manager speaking at the training day yesterday just hoped that, that they were all coming back in, in one piece. So fingers crossed that is the case. Um, the plan for this then is Ross will give us a little breakdown in terms of what's happened over the international week weekend or international fortnight. Sorry, um, we'll talk through the the strip release and the MyGers training day, which has happened this week, and then we'll finish off with a bit of a preview on on the Hearts game. So, Ross, let's start off then. International news: You've got a new show on our Patreon network, which um, provides an update on international football for people who like these kind of things. How did our guys do when they were away this time? Yes, I am one of those absolute weirdos that does quite enjoy the, maybe not the international break per se, but international football in general. So it's always something I've had a keen interest in. And obviously from a Rangers perspective, we've had a lot of players away. One of the main ones being, of course, Nathan Patterson. Now, Patterson had a massive impact on both of Scotland's games, really, um, even though he was a, a substitute in the second one. He played the full 90 minutes in Scotland's 3-2 win over Israel, won the corner that eventually led to the last-minute winner. That was fantastic. And then got a wee bit of a rest in the second game, Ryan Fraser preferred there, Nathan Patterson maybe had a wee bit of a knock, we're hearing, I think he was on a booking as well, but he comes on, within two minutes sets up the, the winning goal for Lyndon Dykes and that puts Scotland in a really strong position in that group. Stephen Davis across the water in Northern Ireland, the UK and Rangers most capped men's footballer now, just a fantastic achievement and sit here for the entire pod if you'd like and wax a little go about Stephen Davis not just a, a domestic career but an international one as well with the full 90 minutes um, and a disappointing Northern Ireland defeat to Switzerland and then also featured against Bulgaria as well Glenn Kamara was away with Finland again a mainstay in that Finnish squad played 
played in there, played in there for Finland. He, as I say, he just he can't get enough of him in that squad. They absolutely love him over there. He played as well. Fashion Sakala scored for Zambia. That was a really good moment for him. You know, it's something we'd like to see a wee bit more of at Rangers. That kind of goal, I'm sure everyone will, will have seen the clips by now. Really good goal from him, getting him behind defence. It's something that we spoke about a wee while ago, Adam, just about that kind of style of finishing from Sakala. So that was fantastic for him. Speaking about goals, I'm sure we've all seen Yanis Hadji's against Germany. Just an absolutely magical goal from the wee man. Send Rudiger to the shops, puts it through his legs. A fantastic finish. Look, ended 2-1 to Germany on the night. It's a fantastic side. But for Hannah, for, for Hadji, for Hadji himself, you know, a fantastic moment. Kamar Roof scored for Jamaica. That was a brilliant moment for him as well. He's in transit back now, which I'm sure we'll talk about when we discuss him. Discuss a game against Hearts. He's a wee bit of a, a doubt for the starting lineup just because of when that game played. But he, he's on his way back now. He's scored in the international break, so good for him as well. Bassey, Balogun, Aribo, all featured for Nigeria. Balogun obviously scored for Nigeria. That was a wee bit of a mixed bag because he scored for Nigeria. Fantastic finish there and then went off injured. But, you know, he is fine for the weekend, so that's the big thing, I think. That's kind of the main ones, apart from Borna Barisic. He played for Croatia, didn't play in the first game, played in the second. And a wee bit of a hilarious moment where Croatia were chasing the equaliser. He stepped up to hit a free kick, tried to take it off Luka Modric. Modric said no and then scored <laughs> from it, which is always one of those funny things that you see. So that's kind of the, that's kind of the main ones. And as always for these international breaks, as much as I say I personally enjoy international football, the big one is that everyone kind of comes back fit and fire and, and it seems like that is the case. That Luka Modric one was, was quite funny. I almost expect him to turn around and say, what were you worried about? Um, Is that, that the one, one with Jermaine Defoe as well when he was over in America? I think when he when he tries to take a, a free kick off someone and the, uh, the player goes and scores it and just the look on his face afterwards. I, just, I love seeing that in football. It's brilliant. Yeah, there's a few, a few. I want to pick out a few of these actually because you mentioned Nigeria there. It's a mixed bag, as you said, for, for Balogun. But we now have three players in the Nigeria squad, which... Um, is is really good news. However, with the the Cup of Nations coming up, um, mm-hmm. that and, and we don't know if Hellander is going to be available at that point. It, it's going to be a little bit of an issue for us having uh, both Bassi and Balligan who can play centre half not being available. I guess the saving grace for us, Ross, is that that we have the winter break. I'm not sure anybody would ever really call the winter break a saving grace, but here we are. But we we have that at the start so it may minimise the impact although I, I would imagine Nigeria will be thinking they can go quite deep in the tournament so we could be without all three of them for, for most of January which is a bit of a concern for us It's been a kind of long-standing concern of mine it's obviously fantastic for them as we say to be involved in that Nigerian squad and you know, for, for us as a club, we want to have as many international players as possible because it maximises their value it's good for our presence on the international stage there's lots of benefits to us but from a purely footballing level, yeah, it's been a bit of a long-standing concern of mine. Uh, the options at, at centre-half, as you mentioned, are limited. You'd really have only at that point Goldson and Simpson with next to no cover unless you're going to bring in maybe a Leon King or someone like that. Is that a position we want to find ourselves in? Not ideally. And, you know, as much as I'm delighted for them, I'm a Rangers fan first and I'm, I'm going to be selfish. Nigeria will have ambitions of going quite deep into that tournament. Yank them as players will have ambitions of going quite deep into that tournament, but from a purely Rangers point of view, it's a concern. Now, from the rumour mill this week, there's a player for the team we're going to play against on Saturday that we could be looking at and possibly bringing in early, but I think that's a different discussion. Mm-hmm. But it's something we need to keep an eye on, especially if Hellander will either just be back, which he'll be rusty at that point, or, or not available at all. So, yeah, it's something to keep an eye on there, I think, for sure. 
Yeah, so I think January's going to be interesting with that in, in mind. Um, we've also got Hellander coming back from injury, but given what the manager said about a month ago, it would be three months, he, he thought, before we would really see him back. I, I think, erring on the side of caution, that's probably three months before he starts training, so it could be into January and February before we even see him back. So I would imagine Ross Wilson and the scouting team have irons in the fire, whether it's uh, loan signings that can come in, maybe they haven't been getting minutes in the Premier League or whatever, that can come in for six months and make an impact, or maybe, like you said, um, a, a, a Bosman signing that we can bring in in January, even, similar to what Simpson, uh, what similar to what happened with, with Jack Simpson and, and Scott Wright uh, this year round. So we'll see, but I, I think definitely centre-back would be a priority, particularly with the, the issues with the, the African Cup of Nations, for sure. Let's go back to Patterson, Ross, because I think it's quite interesting. I don't like to make these proclamations over who's who's the number one pick for, for anything, really, but um, he certainly had uh, had the jersey for for the first game. Um, I didn't catch the first half of this game, so I'm keen to get your thoughts, but the general vibe, I thought, was that he maybe didn't do as well as we thought he could in the first half, but he came on to a game in the second half against, um, against Israel. Would that be fair? Yeah, it was, it was a wee bit like the Hibs performance, actually, where I didn't think Patterson done as well as possibly could have in, in the first half, but really came on to a game in the second. And, like, you know me, I absolutely love Nathan Patterson. I think, he's in a, I think he's a top talent. But round about that, I'd say I don't think neither Rangers nor Scotland played well in, in the first half, and that was just kind of symptomatic of it. But when he came on to a game in the second half of, of both games, really, you'd say he was a driving force there. And Scotland, if you want to talk about Scotland specifically, you know, a lot of what Scotland done well came down that right-hand side. And when you look at the other options that Scotland have there, like Stephen O'Donnell doesn't give you the same attacking output that Nathan Patterson does, not in a million years. Maybe a serviceable enough defender, but that's not what you need in that, in that system that Steve Clark likes to play. You need someone who's going to be able to get balls into the box like Patterson done. Now, if you look at the other options there, Ryan Fraser just didn't didn't work against the Faroe Islands. And if it's not going to work against the Faroe Islands, it's just not going to work full stop. So Patterson has a Scotland shirt. Now, that's pretty much, it's not even a right-back debate. It's barely even a right-back conversation for Scotland at this point. Much different conversation for Rangers. But for Scotland, it's Nathan Patterson's shirt to lose. The, what he gives that team in terms of his attacking output and defensively as well, it's pretty much unrivaled for what any other possible selection Steve Clark could make. So yeah, he, did, he didn't play well in the first half against Israel. I really challenge you to find a Scotland player who did right enough. But when yeah. he came on to the game in the second half, he was brilliant. And when he came on against the Faroe Islands, obviously made a massive impact, set up the winning goal. So his shirt to lose for sure. I think that's the thing, isn't it? it, it um, you look at the impact he made in that second half and the the chance that he got for for John McGinn, and then obviously the cross uh, in the second game. It's risk reward with that type of fullback anyway. We we know that that they're gonna because they're continually pushing and they're driving forward. Some things won't come off. They may get caught at the back because they're so keen to to help the team, particularly as well when he's 19 years old. He's gonna have these type of games, but I think he's shown a lot. In the last uh-huh. year or so, in terms yeah, of I was, character. Sorry, um, no, I, yeah, I, was, I was going to say as well, you talk about the risk reward. See, from a Scotland perspective, right? So Nathan Patterson has had two... Uh, now, the, the way they work, they might not necessarily count as, as a session. We would correct me on that. But he has two major impacts on two big games. One's at home to Moldova. Nathan Patterson has the run, gets a shot away, it's palmed out, Dyke scores. Second one, he comes on against the Faroe Islands, sets up the winning ball, Dykes goes in and scores. So that's... You know, essentially two wins that you can credit more or less to Nathan Patterson being on the pitch. 
Now, without those two wins, Scotland are floundering in that group and every other running away with second place because of Nathan Patterson. He's in a massive part to play with the fact that Scotland have essentially one foot in the in the qualification rounds. So the risk-reward has already been proven. Like The risks far outweigh any potential detriment to that Scotland side. A bit like the way the way we play. If you were to take out, you know, say, say Tav, Tav's a captain, as the, the number one pick for right-back, you don't think that's really arguable. But if you were to take him out, out of our side for the past couple of years, we've become really lopsided, and that's what Scotland have been previously, with all the attacks kind of floating through that, that sort of Robertson tyranny on the left-hand side. So the risk award's already been proven. Like, it's there, and that's why I'm saying it's his, his jersey, because, because of the impact that he has on that side. I think that's magnified when you play wing backs and, and three at the backs absolutely because the only width you have on that right hand side comes through comes through that wing back so I don't think Stephen O'Donnell is a terrible full back but he's a full back for me um, mm-hmm. he's not he's not a wing back that's going to give you what, what you can give and I think Patterson's character for me is the big thing for him because he's had you might think oh he's 19 and he's in the Rangers squad he's had so much faith putting in him he's had everything handed to him he's had so many setbacks in terms of Covid and uh, injury and then being in the Scotland team and being out of the Scotland team and being in the Rangers team and being out of the Rangers team and every time something like that happens to him he just comes back and, and answers the critics I think he's he's a, a huge talent but I really like the mental aspect um, uh, as well so that's that's great to see um, it was good to get uh, Kamar Roof uh, and Fashion Sakala goals I'm sure there'll be some of his listening that, that maybe don't think it's it's worth the hassle with him them having such long journeys but I think the players themselves will take great pride in that and scoring goals at a national level is, is only going to benefit Rangers as far as I'm concerned so um, I'm happy for them to to go ahead and do that Okay, back to Rangers related stuff then and Rangers released uh, the Gallant Pioneers kit on Thursday as part of the club's 150th anniversary uh, this is the fourth kit this year which um, is a wee bit excessive I think but this is an absolute beauty as far as I'm concerned Ross, the strip is is all white and it's obviously a tribute to the, the first kit and the four young lads who had a dream back in 1872. There is some manufactured outrage, which is, is building uh, as we record, Ross. But what's your thoughts on the strip itself first? Oh, the strip itself is an absolute topper. And I think that's been almost kind of universally agreed upon. Like we're which, is very rare, which is very rare. Yes, I was going to say that. We're the vibe fan base at the best of times, especially when it comes to possibly the amount of different, you know, ranges that Castor released with regards to Rangers. But I think this one's been pretty universally loved. Now, it's look, it's the easiest one Castor will ever have for as long as they are making football kits because this is always the kit that everyone wanted, I'm sure. In the kind of feedback sessions, this is always the one that people fed back in that they wanted for the 150th anniversary. This Gallant Pioneers kit. Such an easy, easy one to have, but when you actually see it and see it in person, it's an absolute topper. And I love how even the small details like the, the collar buttons to the side, that's the way it was in the original photo. I think that's a fantastic bit of homage. It has the pie in the ears kind of embroidered in it, as far as I'm aware. As well, I'm going to get my hands on it tomorrow before the game. But it's just it's such a lovely, lovely bit of kit. I think we're going to wear it in a competitive game, which gives me the fear a wee bit, even though, <laughs> you know, I think it's pretty well documented now that that, that you know, Gallant Bangers kit in the photo was never actually won competitively, so that'll be a debut for it as far as Rangers are concerned. But it's such an easy win for Crusoe, such an easy win for the club, and I'm really glad they pulled it off because it's an absolute topper. Yeah, I took my, my little girl to the, the Majors training day yesterday, um, and it was good just to see that the strip was available to buy on the day. Um, I guess you can say Castor are milking the cash cow, depending where you come to it, but 
from what I can see, that's just good marketing. You're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of kids there uh, wanting to go to the stop the shop. There's a lot of footprint there. It's more of a kind of relaxed environment. You're not rushing about to get to the game, etc. So having the strip launch on that day to me just just really made sense. Um, so it's a it's a big win I think from from the marketing side, and obviously the strip itself, which is the most important thing, is is absolutely gorgeous. So that's that's great to see. Just on the, the the training day, then Ross, I know you you weren't there either. Um, or you weren't there, sorry, but I, I wasn't sure what to expect to be honest. Um, but it was a pretty good day out for for the kids. It was good to see so many youngsters there. They had the opportunities to get photos with with the trophy and Broxy from from a distance. Um, it was presented by Daryl Curry and Chris Boyd, and and we got to hear from some of the Rangers women team as well as a few of the men's players came over and did some some pitch side interviews. There was an Angelant interview, and then there was one each with with Gerard McAllister and and Tavernier to to finish things off. Um, the training session itself was was quite interesting too. You kind of seen how how they would build play and how they would defend, and then there was kind of small sided games. Um, they're a good idea, Ross. Obviously, there'll be a lot of youngsters within the the stands that are either training with Rangers or training separately with their own um, boys and girls clubs. So it's probably good to, for them to see exactly how the players do it. I think we can sometimes um, forget about that, that impressionable youngsters want to see how things happen behind the scenes as much as, as we do. And I thought it was a really good opportunity to to get them in there, but also get them used to Ibrox in a bit more of a, a kind of quieter, chilled out way, rather than it being um, focused on the football and watching the game, etc. It's an opportunity to go down and have a wander through the concourses, get your face painted, balloon animals, pictures with kind of fake trophies and all that sort of stuff. It was just, it was quite relaxed and it was it was a really good atmosphere. What's your what's your thoughts on them? Uh, yeah, I think they're a cracking idea from when you can do them, because this is the October break as well, isn't it, for school? So, you know, it yep. gives, something, gives the kids something to do, you know, it gives the, the parents something to do as well to keep the kids occupied during the week. But just getting them in and used to Ibrox in that relaxed environment, I think, is a, a really massive thing. We see it a lot with friendlies, don't we? It's a, it's a really good way to introduce kids and stuff to Rangers because it's not as intense. You don't have 50,000 people screaming at you for making a, a missed pass or anything like that. It's just a really nice, relaxed environment. And obviously, Broxy's out. You can go get your face painted and stuff like that. I mean, that's that's the reason I didn't head along yesterday. I was working. And, it's you know, it's, it's a kid's thing that's for the kids, and it should be, because that's a fantastic way of getting them involved with the club and interested in all things Rangers. Um, I'm sure there'll be many kids who experience Ibrox for the first time yesterday. And that's what we should be doing, you know, doing these kind of things for, because it's not just about us as people who are, you know, already interested in the club. It's about the next generation as well. And we always need to be looking at how we can engage that next generation and Rangers and giving them different ways of doing that. It's not all just about going to the matches, although that is the main one for kids, that you need to have a wee bit more creativity than that, have a wee bit, wee bit different levels of engagement, the face painting, having Brock's out the pictures, and all that kind of stuff is fantastic. They can see the players up close and personal. So if it's something that they'll do again, possibly in the, in the spring break or something like that, then that'd be absolutely fantastic because I, we talk about easy wins in terms, of the, in terms of the kits. This is an easy win for the club as well and a fantastic day out as a you know, seen and heard from from yourself. So I just delighted with it all in to be honest. Yeah, I think the only thing would um I would say is the weather wasn't exactly brilliant yesterday. The temperature had, had dropped a little bit. So um having the kids there for a couple of hours maybe wouldn't be we've been quite lucky I guess just now in terms of October in terms of the weather. But um any other October I think it would have been a wee bit of a challenge. So um I think it was rescheduled from from the summer. So obviously I'm sure we'll we'll get some more summer ones as as the years progress, uh, I would have thought. 
Um, I mentioned it earlier, Ross, and it's a wee bit of a developing story, so I'm not quite sure we've, we've hit the peak of it yet, so we're not going to go into it in more, more detail, but um, the, the, the strip that we mentioned, there is some some outrage from, from the usual suspects uh, around the, the choice of the, the tune um, accompanying the, the video that Rangers put out. Um, every time something like this happens, I, I watch it unfold incredulous, incredulously on Twitter. Uh, and I can't believe the reaction from from some people, Ross. The usual national teeth from the usual suspects seeking offence where there is none. Like I said, we won't go into it in too much detail, but essentially, um, offence has been taken at the tune for Four Lads Had a Dream now because it is similar to um, the the Sloop John B song. I have to admit, I hadn't made that connection before. Um, I'm not sure if that's that's something that many people had I hadn't made the connection before I've, I know I'm it's now so ingrained in my head the four lads had a dream tune that I don't really think of it being similar to, to anyone else but safe to say there is absolutely zero offense throughout the throughout the lyrics um and it seems like it's getting treated as I said it's early days Ross it seems like it's getting treated with with even more scorn and ridicule than than previous things have which is is good news for us yeah, because cause there's nothing in it, and look, it's not outrageous, Fox outrage. The the people doing it, and that's the thing we need to remember: the people doing it, knowing the heart of hearts that it's got no outrageous element towards it. They're doing it for attention. They're doing it to try and cause damage to the Rangers, and it's coordinated. And look, see if they were really outraged by the four lads had a dream song, because that's exactly what it is. If they are real, if they were really really outraged by it, they would have. You know, tweeted and done other things yesterday morning when the video was released. They wouldn't have waited 24 hours to get their act together and then do it. And it's so nakedly obvious now. It's so boring and so depressing that, that we're used to it. And you're right, this one has been treated by a lot of ridicule, ridicule because there is a lot to ridicule about it. There's nothing in it. It's just people trying to have a go at Rangers the day before you know the season resumes after the international break. And it's just, it's a depressing state of where we are in this country. And it's why we can't have a grown-up conversation about serious issues in Scotland, because you have one one side, one set of people who say ridiculous things like this, and it just cheapens the entire really serious conversation and debate. As I say, it's just depressing, it's just boring, and it should be treated with the absolute scorn and ridicule that it deserves. It's funny how coordinated it is, as if they, yeah. they, they seem to think that we won't realise that nothing, like you said, nothing said for 24 hours. Then as soon as someone says something, then all of a sudden someone else pops up and says the same thing. And, and you can tell, like, you can tell it is a coordinated uh, thing for reasons that, that escape me, particularly when you actually sit down and think about it. It's willful ignorance, I think, on, on their part. But anyway, like I said, it's developing and I'm sure David will into it in more detail on, on the flagship on Monday so we'll, we'll leave that one there and move on to the actual football Ross it'd be nice just to focus on that on, on these shows but it seems less and less likely <laughs> uh, sometimes so the manager had his pre-match press conference um, earlier today on Friday for, for Hearts the, the main talking points I think from that were that, that Kamar Roof will arrive back at some point today which may make him a doubt to, to start the game hangover from the international break as, as we mentioned there um, it sounds like it's too early for Ryan Kent as well, who will only join training again on Monday after being out for um, over a month at this stage. And Ryan Jack, again, manager said will be a couple of weeks away. Probably past this point, Ross, but I'll ask it anyway. At what point do we start to get worried about, about Ryan Jack? He, he's not getting any younger and he has had a number of injuries since he joined. I think the last time he played was possibly January or February this year, which is a fair old amount of time. Um 
obviously an impact in Scotland as well, which I know you're you're interested in. But um, it's a serious injury. This one, I think they need to get it right. But the the amount of time that this seems to be taking um, is having a bit of an impact. I think both on the player and and player squad. I think Ryan Jack's been a couple of, couple of weeks away from fitness and seen Gerard take over the side. To be honest, hmm. it seems that long since you know we've actually had him fit and firing. You're right with what you say. Looks a serious injury, and they were right to try and take the time and get him professionally looked at and go through all the proper medical procedures to try and get it sorted once and for all because it was becoming a bit of a, a niggling issue where you couldn't get him going for maybe longer than a month, two months before he, his body would betray him again. But you said, when do we get it? We're long past it. That, that's that's the thing, and it, it gets to the point, and look, I'm, I'm a Ryan Jack fan. You know, I think my dad loves Ryan Jack almost as much as he loves me. He's a, he's a big favourite with a lot of the podders as well, a lot of the fans. And I know he's a big favourite of Stephen Gerrard. But when you look at the cold hard reality and the cold hard facts, it does get to the point where at what, at what point does he just become a bit of a burden? And I hate saying that because I love Ryan Jack as a player. I think he offers a lot to this Rangers team. But when he's never actually available, he's always on the treatment table, you need to start asking that kind of a question. Now, look, do I think Stephen Gerrard will? Possibly not, because he does see a lot of himself in Ryan Jack and he'll want to give him every opportunity to get fit again, as we all do. If this happens again, then you're not getting an awful lot of output for your input, if that makes sense for the, for the amount of time we're trying to spend rehabilitating Ryan Jack and, and getting him fit again. You need to start asking a couple of questions about do we need the replacement option in there? Because I think it's, it's a phrase that I don't really like using, but you think when he comes back, it's almost like having a new signing because you have that extra body. But even when he does come back, He's been out for so long now. How long does it take him to actually get fit and firing again? And I think that's a big thing. We mentioned it kind of briefly earlier on with Holanda, where you have that. That's just a short space of time, actually, in comparison to Ryan Jack. But even he's going to take a wee while to actually get back up to the Holanda that we, we know and love. It's going to take Ryan Jack even longer. And I seen on his Instagram the other day, he was uh, back out training with a ball, which is fantastic. But it's going to take him a couple of weeks to get back to match fitness. And then it's going to take him another couple of weeks to get back to match sharpness. Because those are two completely different things. And it's just about at what point do we need to start asking more serious questions than what we are. And if we can get Ryan Jack, the Ryan Jack that we know he can be, fit and firing, that's fantastic because that's a major benefit to the Rangers. But the doubt is there about just how realistic that is. Given you know he's not getting any younger, given the length of time he's been out for, it's becoming more and more of a growing concern, if I'm being honest. Which is really unfortunate to see, as I say, because I, I really like Ryan Jack and he offers a lot, but if it happens again, then it's becoming a, a really massive concern, yeah. You also have the facts as well, which I don't think anybody really wants to be thinking about at this point, is that his, his contract's going to be up in about 18 months' time. So um, while we're emotional as, as fans, I don't think the club will be as emotional and they'll be looking to see if I, if, if we can't get this guy fit and he's, he's coming to the point where he's going to be needing a new contract, are we really in a position to do that? It's not a situation I think anybody wants to be in because I think most people would be quite happy if Ryan Jack remained part of the squad until he until he retired. Um, but you would hope that retirement is a good six or seven years away yet. Um, fingers crossed. This, I mean, it could just be that they'll take an extra, extra precautions with him, but it just seems like this trundles on um, every couple of weeks. It's another few weeks before he's back and before we know it, it'll be January. Um, fingers crossed he's, he's back by then, but like we said, we'll, we'll wait and see. But definitely... Um, doesn't sound like he'll be available for, for another couple of weeks at least. 
the manager mentioned uh, Hearts in the, the press conference, obviously, as as he would. He said, I'm pleased to see Hearts back in the top flight after how they were treated, which is, is interesting, Ross. Um, they've recruited well and have a good squad. It's no surprise to me that they have started well, but our focus is on us tomorrow uh, and putting some distance between the two teams come come 5pm. Great to see Hearts back. I think the manager obviously alluding to the, the season being cut short. Um Last season, where uh, Hearts and Patrick Thistle were unfairly uh, relegated, so it's brilliant that they've been able to to bounce back. Um, we were speaking about this off air, Ross. I think Hibs have been getting a lot of credit for how how high up the the league they have been. Um, I don't think Hearts are getting anywhere near the credit that Hibs are getting, but I think Hearts deserve a lot more. Um, it's a brand new team. They've just been promoted and they're one point off the pace at the top of the league after eight games. You think back to it's maybe a wee bit early for for you, but George Burley, or certainly a couple of years ago when they had a good team and they were getting praised to the high heavens, I don't think they're getting anywhere near the praise that they deserve for how good a start to the season they've had, and it'll be a tough game on Saturday. I think they've went quite under the radar as well, which is weird because you would think the two Edinburgh clubs would be kind of praised in tandem, but it's not been like that at all. Before the international break when we were playing Hibs, all the hype was about Hibs, really, um, in terms of can Hibs push for a, a title challenge, can Hibs, you know, try and take Rangers all the way this season. Hearts were, you know, about a point behind them maybe at the time. Yep. It's been, it's been nothing like that. You've you've not had anywhere near that that level of noise for a for a team that's keeping pace at top of the league. I always found that a wee bit strange as well. And especially like I had a, a wry smile myself when the manager mentioned that. But you think the way they were put down to the championship, bounced back, promoted fairly easily, but then they were treading water at the end of last season. I think you used to get fairly decent odds for, for Hearts to get to get beat, you know, if, you, if you're a betting person. And sometimes that can feed in to a new season. I think we've seen it before with, with Rangers teams with a bad start, I'm sorry, a bad finish to the previous season can lead to a bad start in a new season. It's not been like that at all. They've started the season absolutely flying. They're one point off the pace and then they're coming to Ibrox tomorrow and maybe a bit like Hibs will probably fancy themselves to go and do a wee bit of damage. I don't think we'll be quite as nervous possibly as fans as what we were for that game for lack of a better word but they'll fancy themselves they've got a right to the position they are in the league and I don't think they're really getting enough enough credit to be honest from where they've came from where they've been and where they are now I always find it a wee bit weird how they've not had the same hype around them as, as possibly Hibs have but you know I'd like to kill any potential hype around them tomorrow afternoon, same as same as what Stephen Gerrard said, put a wee bit of daylight between us and them by 5pm by and we're in a really good position yeah, I think it's going to be a really, a really tough game. Like we said, they've, they've got, um, they've got some really good players. Uh, Gordon obviously having a bit of a renaissance on the international stage. They've got Halkett and, and Suter at the back, Benny Benningame, uh in midfield, and then they've got quite a lot of talent up front. Really, when you, when you think about it, potential maybe or, or wasted potential in, in some instances. But Barry Mackay, Ben Woodburn, Jamie Walker, Gary Mackay, Stephen, and then obviously they've got a goal scorer. Which I think every every team needs. So I think there'll be there'll be a challenge. Um, it's a game I'm I'm really looking forward to. Um, John Lundstrom obviously was was out for press conference as well. Something interesting that he mentioned was when asked about rotation across the midfield, he said he played the, the deeper number six role for most of his career, and it's only really been the last couple of seasons where he's played in the more attacking positions. I know we've spoken about this quite a bit um, over the, the course of the last few weeks on on pods etc. But um, I think that deep number six rotation role with, with Davis is now Lundstrom's to, to keep. Ross, uh, are you expecting him to start tomorrow? Davis has obviously just came back. Um, he's played those two games in a national break, whereas Lundstrom has, has been fresh. Are you expecting it to be Lundstrom to, to start the game with Davis on the bench, or do you think we'll go with, with the more experienced player? 
Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Lundstrom started, especially given the form he was in pre-international break. He was absolutely flying, man in the match, and I think was our previous two games, or two domestic ones anyway, um, before the international break, he is hitting a bit, a bit of a purple patch in terms of form and maybe changed a lot of opinions there. And we do need to be really careful about Stephen Davis. We've got Bromby on Thursday, which is a must-win. I don't care what anyone says. It's an absolute must-win for us. That is a massive game. And I think having Stephen Davis away from Nor- with rather Northern Ireland, him coming back and playing those two games, we do need to be a wee bit wary of not burning him out and taking it easy with him because he is getting to that age where look, he offers Rangers a hell of a lot. Stephen Davis, you could, as I said, right at the top of the show, wax lyrical about him for as long as you wanted, but you can't burn him out. And I think we were starting to see that a wee bit with Stephen Davis maybe, and he's earlier performances in the season where we're using him constantly. You just can't do that. Not for a player at his age, not for the role you want him to do. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if Lundstrom started in there and I think he'll possibly keep Davis fresh for Thursday would be my prediction. Purely because of the way Lundstrom's acquitted himself in that role. As I say, he's had a bit of a purple patch reform. He's been really, really good for us the last couple of games and you need to be really, really wary of what you do with Stephen Davis because you don't want to run him into a position where you just run him into the ground and then you maybe injure him or something like that and it becomes a much bigger, longer-term problem, one which we really can't afford to have in that midfield, if we're being honest. Yeah, I think there's three rotation options for, for tomorrow that um, I can't call who will play, but I think you're, you're talking about, will it be Barisic or Bassi at left-back? And you would imagine the other would play midweek against Brunby. I think the same is for, for Davis and, and Lundstrom. And then centre half as well, given Balligan got a little bit of a niggle. And again, he's he's 33 uh, and been away on, on flights, etc. And playing two games for Nigeria, I would imagine there'll be a bit of rotation there with, with Simpson. For the game tomorrow, um, I'd probably be more inclined to, to go something like Bassey. Um, alongside Simpson and then maybe Davis uh, in the, the centre midfield, but really it could be any combination of of those. So I think that's uh, that's the big talking points I think for for tomorrow. Ross, I would think that Roof may not make the may not make the starting eleven, but we've obviously got a bit more flexibility up there with Aribo and Hadji and, and Scott Wright to come in. Um, what's your predictions then for the game? I'm just absolutely delighted there's a Saturday three o'clock game to be honest. I think this this is our first it's certainly the first that we've been able to go out to the pub, etc. in eighteen months, but it's the first one of the season for sure and I'm absolutely looking forward to a home game at Ibrooks. What's your thoughts? How do you think the game's gonna go? At Saturday at three, what it's meant to be is the, the old saying into I just I yep. cannot wait for it either. Um how I think it's going to go is going to be tough. It's going to be really, really tough. I think it will be maybe a wee bit like the Hibs game. Hopefully not in the sense that we go behind and have to fight back the way we did. But Hearts are going to make it really tough for us. As you said, they've got goal scorers there. They've got more than enough players who can hurt Rangers if we're not solid at the back, which is something we can't say we've necessarily been um, this season so far. I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be a really good game, actually. Maybe not a bit of a grind, but we are going to have to dig really, really deep tomorrow to try and, to try and get a result. And if we're not on it 100%, then we could end up in serious bother. Because, as I said, Hearts will fancy themselves. They've got every right to with the position they are in the league. I think we'll win. I think it'll be really, really tight. And I'm not sure this is going to be, for your heart, the most enjoyable 90 minutes. I'll go with another 2-1 win. Um I'll go, maybe we'll go ahead, I think they'll pull one back and then we'll go ahead again. That's If I'm going to go that far, that'll be my prediction, but I'm going to go with a 2-1 win. 
maybe a bit of a nervy game, a really high quality game, but maybe a bit of a nervy game. I think we're going to have a couple of shaky moments, but I do expect us to come out and do the business in the end. Although, as much as I'm looking forward to this, it's one of those ones where I'm somewhat simultaneously quite nervous for. Yeah, I think it will be, hopefully it's not as, as edgy as, as the Hibs game, but I think um, your scoreline's probably fair, but I'm going to be slightly more optimistic and go for a, a 2-0 to Rangers. Okay, that'll do us for tonight's show. Ross, thank you for joining me. No, thanks very much for having me, mate. Cheers. No problem at all. And like I said, David will be back on Monday with a review of the Hearts game. Thank you all for listening. Podcast Network.